0: back to the uh, series we're doing called The Heart of Christmas, and and in this series, what we're trying to do is call ourselves back to what really is Christmas all about, and I mentioned it earlier that we believe with all of our hearts that Jesus really is the reason for the season, but what did Jesus come to do, and what did he come to bring, and that's what we're talking about each week as we're walking through. Last week, uh, we started this series talking about hope. And if you didn't get a chance to to be here last week or watch it online, I really want to encourage you to to do so. I had so much feedback from last week's service about just how God was able to just encourage folks for all the things that they are walking through. And and I think if there was ever a time that our culture and country really needed hope, it's now. And I know for some of you who've been walking through tough places, uh, Jesus is that anchor of hope that we can hang on to. Amen? And, uh, And I want to encourage you to either watch that or, or listen to that. Today I want, I want to talk about another piece of what was it that Jesus came to bring and what was it that God was trying to express. Well, if you were going to sum it all up in one word, it would really be this. It was love. It was love. Now look at me. I want you to hear my heart for a second. God loves you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far from God you may have run in your life. It doesn't matter what kind of horrible things you may have either gone through or, or done yourself. Here's what you need to know. The God who created all of this universe, he loves you. And he loves you just as you are. And he came from heaven to earth to change your life. And my prayer today, as we walk through some of this, is that you would open your heart to that. Because here's what I know, man. Uh, Going through 40 years of ministry, being around a lot of different people through the years, here's what I know without even thinking about it. There are many of you, you don't believe you're loved. You don't love yourself. And yet, I want to tell you that in spite of the fact that you may have grown up around people who didn't love you, you may be surrounded by people right now who don't love you, you may be of a frame of mind that you find no worth or value in yourself, I'm going to tell you there is a God who believes you're worth dying for. That's how much you're loved. Amen? I want to talk about that. If you want to take your sermon outline out, and pro, uh, just follow along with me. Uh, we'll throw everything up on the screen for you. But for those of you who like to take notes or want to doodle this morning, keep yourself awake, you can track along. We're going to throw this up. We're going to look at a, at a verse. It's probably the most famous passage of Scripture in the Bible from John chapter 3, verse 16. I also want to read verse 17. This is just great stuff. Do you mind reading this out loud with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, I would encourage you to take a pen or a pencil, if you've got it, just scratch through the word world and write your own name in there. Because the fact of the matter is, God didn't just send Jesus to die for us collectively. He sent Jesus to die for us personally. He sent him to, from heaven to earth for you. And this morning, I, I want to I walk you through, so what does that love do for us? What does this God who loves us so much, what is he trying to do? Well, a few things. Are you ready? Here we go. First of all, out of his great love for us, Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to save us. Some years back, when Juan and I were living in Phoenix, there was a uh, there was a picture on the front page of the Arizona Republic newspaper that uh, caught my attention. It was a a woman by the name of Mina Gallo, who was a hugging a guy by the name of Jim Griffin. And when I read the story, it was just such a tender embrace and the looks on their faces uh, just caught me to read the article. And the article was both very um, sad, but but also just so tender. Uh, Mina's son, Larry, was 21 in 2005. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time around the wrong people. And he was shot in the head. When Mina got to the hospital... Um, Larry was on life support, and the doctors told him, there, there's nothing we can do. We're basically keeping his body uh, going, but but he, for all practical purposes, he is dead. And So they had this conversation with Mina, and they said, you know, your son is young. He's healthy. If you would be so inclined, his organs could be of great help to people who are waiting on uh, kidneys and lungs and livers. And uh, Mina thought for only a second and she knew in an instant this would be what Larry would want. He would want out of this tragedy that has happened out of this horrible thing for something good to come out of it. And so she agreed. And, uh, and Larry's lungs were sent to two different people in California and it literally saved their lives. And his kidneys, one was sent to Colorado and another was sent to Florida and saved two other lives. His liver went to Jim Griffin and Jim Griffin was from Plano, Texas and he had no hope except for a liver transplant and it was a match and he was able to receive that liver from Larry and in this picture, Mina is hugging, it's a year after her son's death and she is hugging this man who's by the death of her son saved his life. And as I was looking at that picture and I, I read the article, you know, I got all, I got all teary-eyed and I thought, how, how, how awesome is this? And, and isn't this a great picture of God uh, whose son saved our lives? And then all of a sudden it hit me It said, well, it's close, but it's not quite the same picture. It, it would be more of the image of what God did if you can imagine Jim being one of the people in the group that took her son's life. Because we were the ones who cost Jesus his life. You see, the Bible says, I want you to read with me. Look, look on the outline of, of what happened. It says, when Adam sinned, what happened? Sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought what? Death. And so death spread to who? Say that word again. Everyone. Now, when the Bible says everyone, how many of you know that means you? Yeah. It means, in other words, when, when Adam sinned, death came into the world, and from Adam forward, everyone is born spiritually dead, spiritually separated for God, for everyone sinned. But look at this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still Sinners. In other words, God didn't wait till we got our act together. He didn't wait till we could find some way to earn our way back to heaven. God didn't wait until we wised up and knew that we needed a relationship with him. God loved you so much, when you were at your worst, he sent his son to die for us, to reconcile us. Read that last statement out loud with me. For the wages of sin is death But the three gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. That's why I put the statement on your outline. You know, the bad news is we all suffer from a fatal disease. The good news is Jesus Christ is the cure. Now, look at me. I just want you to hear my heart. Doesn't matter who you are. Every single one of us are born into this world separated from God. God loved us so much. He wanted to make it clear. How do we become right with him? He sent his one and only son. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And ladies and gentlemen, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior, you are separated from God. There is no other route. There is no other alternative. He is the gift of love to you so that you can be saved. Does that make sense to you? Why did Jesus come? He came to save us. We were dead and we had no way to save ourselves. And so Jesus brought us life. Why did Jesus come? Well, out of His great love for us, Jesus came to accompany us. He came to accompany us. I saw a really cute story um, that was posted. Somebody had caught it and posted it on Facebook. I think it might have made it to the news. You might have seen this. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. Uh, a few months back, up in, in Billings, Montana, there was a, a, a car accident, and it was a pretty bad accident. And uh, several firefighters and paramedics arrived on the scene, and they were tending to the people. The, the firefighter there, his name's Ryan Benton. When Ryan got there and people were tending, he noticed this little girl who was in one of the vehicles that had been crashed. And while the paramedics and everybody were tending to her mom and all of that, he saw that she was traumatized. The little kid was just traumatized. And so Ryan decided to just spend his time comforting her. So these guys are so smart. In his truck, they kept a bag of books for kids just for situations like this. And So he went to his truck, and he pulled out a children's book. And this guy sits down on the curb beside this little girl. Takes his flashlight out and he's reading through this children's book with her just to calm her down and let her know she's not alone. Isn't that cool? And when I saw this, I thought, isn't this exactly what God does for us? You know, Christ came from heaven to earth to remind us we're, we're not alone. In fact, when you invite Christ into your heart, his spirit lives in you. And so no matter where you go, wherever you're at, Jesus Christ is right there. Um, you know, last this, this past week, um, I, I, was, I was part of three different funerals here at the church on Monday and then two on Friday. And one of the things I am just always amazed by is how the presence of God shows up right when you need him the most and I was just amazed as we walked through this time how it's so true Psalm 34 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he really is and you can sense the presence of God right there and that's why Jesus came to let you know you're not alone I don't know what you're facing I don't know what you're going through I don't know what kind of troubling time you may be up against but this is what I do know God will never leave you or forsake you you are never just by yourself um, I, I love Matthew one twenty three as they quote uh, the prophecy from Isaiah he says look the virgin will conceive a child read it with me she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means what's it mean church God. now say God with me God's with you no matter what. And I, I love that. And that's that, that picture again. You know, the Hebrew idea of perfection was God walking with Adam in the cool of the day as they, as they would walk side by side. And that's the presence that Jesus brought back with his Holy Spirit to let us know we would never be alone. In fact, Jesus himself says to his disciples in Matthew 28, 20, read it with me. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Look at me. I want you to hear my heart. You're not alone. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your troubles, what your struggle, or how overwhelming the situation may be, you need to know this. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son that his spirit might be with you every single day of your life. Amen. Out of his great love for us, Jesus also came to empower us. Jesus also came to empower us. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter (laughs) 7. He says, I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Now, come on, it's church, great place to confess. How many of you go, oh yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me, that's me. How many of you would say, that's my kid's? Yes, that's my kids. Yeah, they do, they do that, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, that's, and that's the dilemma Paul's talking about. And, and that's one of the discoveries that we make, which is why God sent his one and only son. The, the fact of the matter is the, the stuff of this world has so much pull and so much draw that it captures our heart and it draws us away. And, and we, in, in many ways, are helpless against it. But in the power of God, we are not helpless In the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can say no to the things we shouldn't do, and we can say yes to the things that we ought to do. In fact, look at what Paul says. Paul says, read it with me. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, all this following of God you really want to do in your heart of hearts, but you can't do, you can't do out of your own strength. But here's what I promise you. If you will lean into the Spirit of God, you don't have to be a slave to sin. I promise you. Lord Jesus Christ Can overcome. And you know what else? Not only can you overcome the the, the stuff that pulls at your heart, not only can you do the right things and not do the wrong things, you can do stuff you never dreamed of doing. You know, one of the things I I love when you read the New Testament is it talks over and over again about how how God used uh, normal people or average people or common people to do uncommon things. Uh, In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul goes to great length to describe how the God, that God's spirit gives us gifts and how he empowers us to do stuff that we can't do on our own. And, and I tell you that because here's what I know. Some of you are, are being nudged by God. Some of you, you feel the nudge of God to, to step out and step up and, and maybe do something you've never done before. Lead a group, teach a class, you know, to share your faith. And you feel that and you're going, I can't do that. You know, I'm not smart enough to do that. I'm not, I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not able to do that. And you know what? You're right, you're not. But God is and that's why Paul wrote to the Philippians and he said, I can do all things, how church, through Christ who gives me the strength. And here's what I can tell you. Anything God is nudging you to do by his strength, you can do. I can give you testimony after testimony of that. And you know what else? You can be empowered to walk through those difficult times. You know, again, as we had these funerals last week, and you know, this is just such hard stuff. Yeah, and and if if you're like me, man, I have been at places in my life where where I say, God, I can't do this. I I don't have the power to do this. I don't have the strength to do this. And and that's where God speaks again into our heart to, to let us know that maybe what we can't do by ourselves, we can. I, I love what He says in Romans eight thirty seven. Read it with me. The one who loves us gives us an overwhelming victory through all of these difficulties. Now again, I don't know what difficulty you're facing, but I I promise you, man, again, I'm your pastor, but there have been times I have been so fatigued. I've been so beaten down. I've been so tired that I've gotten to places and I'm going, God, I can't do this. I, I just don't have the ability to go anymore. I can't do this. And, and you know what? Those are in those moments when we really lean into God and we learn how to trust and depend upon him. What I've discovered in my journey is when I can't take one more step, God carries me. I can look back at situations and I, people say, how in the world did you do that? I, Only God. Only God. I saw. I saw again. I saw a story in the in the news just a week ago that I thought was it was such a great picture to me. Um, down in a, in Tallahassee, Florida, Florida State University football game, there was a a young lady um, who was came to that game that day, and she had a, a disability that made it hard for her to walk. And people were watching her as she was kind of walking into the stadium. And as she made her way along the rail, and then, of course, if you've ever been in a football stadium, you know, the stairs are, like, straight up. And it was like, there's no way. And, you know, everybody was watching, and her mom was with her, and they were trying to figure out what in the world they were going to do. And then this happened. Throw that picture up on the screen. This police officer who was on duty that day at the stadium saw this girl hobbling in, saw her struggling, saw her looking at the stairs, came over and asked the mother, can I help? And she said, well, we're row 33. (laughs) And this officer picks this young lady up and carries her all the way to row 33. And that's what God, will do for you. If you haven't discovered this yet, at some point along the journey, you probably will. Life is bigger than you. But it is not bigger than the God we serve. Let me give you one more. And this one's a little tougher, I think, for us sometimes. Because we forget that when God does a work in our lives, it's never just about us. And that is this, out of his great love, Jesus came to love through us. He came to love through us. When you think about what it really means to be a Christ follower or a Christian, I don't know what images come to your mind. But one of the things that the New Testament is really clear about is that the most striking quality that ought to be noticeable by the world around us is how we love. Look at me. We who have been transformed by love should be the greatest demonstration of that love. Amen? Look at the words of Jesus. This is some of his last words to his disciples. He said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Read it with me. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not the size of your Bible, not the size of the cross you got around the neck, you know, your neck, not your what would Jesus do, you know, WWJD, you know, wristband that you have on, not any of that. The, what Jesus said with the world would notice is how you love, which is so different from the way that the rest of the world love. Now, can we just be honest? It's easy for everyone to love people who are loving toward them. But God didn't come when we were all that loving. He came when we were yet sinners. That means we, ladies and gentlemen, should be at the forefront of also loving sinners. Amen. Amen. Look at what Paul, look at what John says in 1 John 4. This is real love. Circle that word through real love. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. In other words, God took the initiative. And just like God took the initiative with those of us who are unlovable, we should take the initiative to love other people who are also unlovable. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us Had sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Read the last sentence out loud with me. Since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Now, I I want two things. I want to put in your mind. This is the first one. Some of you have some people in your life. I guarantee you, they're coming to your the forefront of your mind right now. They're hard to love. When I say there are people who are hard to love, I know images are coming to your mind. Yeah, some of you, know, you're picturing them. And those are the very people that God says, I need to love them. I need you to love them in spite of who they are. I need you to love them in spite of how they talk. I need you to love them in spite of how they act. Right, please, don't hear what I'm not saying. not saying we don't have boundaries with people. I'm not saying any of that. But I am saying God chose to love us when we were a mess. We need to love people when they are a mess. Amen? That makes sense? Here's the second thing, and and I really want you to grab this. There are people that you're coming into contact with, and you have no idea how starved for love they are. I guarantee you, you came across some people this last week, and you, you didn't even know that they were dying on the inside. And like some of us, they're wanting to know from the depth of their being it, am I really loved? Is there really hope in this world? was a gal who uh, wrote an article that uh, took my breath away. Uh, back in 1990, she was talking about how uh, her and her family had a, a family tradition of every year of going caroling. And she said this one year in 1990, she said her son was singing in, a, in an a cappella choir at school. And so she got uh, her son to recruit a whole bunch of those kids, and she, her husband, rented a flatbed truck and uh, said they put this old spinet piano, tied it to the front, and they were just kind of driving around, playing the piano and singing choruses. And then they they went to a few homes, of very specific people. They were going to two homes. One was of a fourteen-year-old boy who was dying from AIDS, and. They, he was so sick and so weak he couldn't he couldn 't stand, but they got to his house, got by the window, and the parents kind of propped him up so that he could see and they got to sing to him and three days later he did he did pass and they got this moment just to to love on him. They also went to another home of of a couple whose son had committed suicide, and they were able to be there and what was without a doubt the darkest moment of this family's life and they got to sing and love on them and and they knew these people were were going through this hard time and and they they got to share that love. But as they were going to head back, they were going to go back to the to the house and they had they had food and all the stuff that was going to gonna happen at the house and everybody was by this time tired and even though it was in California they were chilly and they were ready to get back. But the father, the husband of this woman there was a woman who came to his mind, and, and he knew that she was, she was one who always seemed to be encouraging other people. And he just thought about how this woman was always an encourager. And for some reason, he said, I just felt nudged that we, we need to go carol her. This woman who encourages her about it, we need to go encourage her. And so he told his wife, and the wife said, you know, the kids are done, man. They don't want to do this. And he goes, one more, please, just one more house. And so they did, and the kids were grumbling as the kids do, and they got to the house, and the kids got out, and they, they made their way across the yard, and they got out by the front door, and they started singing, and, and even though they were singing, the woman never came to the door. No lights on, nothing. They knocked on the door. She didn't answer, and finally the wife told her husband, she goes, you know, she's not home. Let's go. And He goes, well, l- let me just check. Let me just make sure she's not in the back of the house, and, and so he went to the back of the house, and a few months later, sure enough, the front door opens, and here the husband comes back with his arm around the woman, and they're standing there, and the kids begin to sing. And this woman stood beside him and just cried her eyes out. And when the kids got done, she just gave this man the biggest hug in the world. And They got in the truck, and they left. They went back. They had food and had hot chocolate. When all the kids had left, the husband went in and sat down next to his wife, and he said, that last stop we made? She said, yeah. He goes, I went back, and he said, I looked through the window, and he said, I I saw her sitting in at the table, and she had a gun on the table. He said, so I tapped on the window, and he said, she opened the door, and I came in and said she had tears running down her face, and I said, what's going on? And she said that out of the blue that day, she had come home to find her husband had served her with divorce papers. And she said, in the holiday season of the year, out of the blue, totally unexpected, she said, it turned my world upside down. And she said, I just felt like I didn't have any reason to go on. And then you showed up at my door. And his husband, who was just bawling as he's telling his wife this says we not only encouraged her we saved her life look at me please hear my heart there are people you encounter every single day who are holding on to life by a threat and what may make the difference from them and their ability to just keep going is how well we love them. Never underestimate the power of love. Never underestimate the nudges of God as you, you feel led to call someone text someone, stop by and see someone. You have no idea what some of these people are going through. And your simple expression of love may make the difference for them. That's the power of God loving through us. Amen. Rachel's going to lead us in a song in a second. It's an old song that just simply says, oh, how he loves you and me. And I have no idea, again, what you may need from God today uh, in light of this message. But this morning, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never invited him to be the Savior and Lord of your life, today, I just encourage you to pray a very simple prayer where you ask him to forgive you of your past and ask him to fill you with his spirit and to lead you on a brand new future. The Bible says if we confess our sin, doesn't matter how many, doesn't matter how long, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, you can begin a brand new journey. Some of you may have come in today and you're feeling really alone. And and maybe your prayer today is, Lord, I, I need that love of yours just to come alongside of me. I just need to sense your presence here. I need you to be my Emmanuel. God with me. Some of you may be facing things, going through things. We say, Lord, I need your empowering love. I need you to fill me up and take away the fear and help me to have the courage to to face and walk through whatever it is that is before me. And for some of you, I know God's already speaking to you. And he's telling you right now, there are some people in your life you need to love better. You need to love them more with the same love that God has loved you. When you want to really want to know what the heart of Christmas is, it's this. Not just a baby in a manger, but a child that was born that was knowing they were going to die on a cross. That was God's great love for you. Look at me. For God so loved you. He sent his one and only son, that if you just believe in him, you too could have everlasting life. Father, today we hold in our hands the most sacred elements in the world, a little wafer that represents a precious body that was broken, a little cup of juice that represents blood that was spilt on a cross on our behalf. For a people who had no way of saving themselves, you came and offered yourself as a sacrifice to create a bridge from heaven to earth. Father, we confess before you that we don't uh, deserve a love like that. We know that we could never earn a love like that. But I guess that's why you call it grace, because you freely gave it. So Father, as we receive these elements today, Lord, my prayer is that you would wash over each and every one of us with that irresistible love one more time. Let that love save us. Let that love take away the loneliness that we feel. Let that love empower us. And Lord, let that love love through us a very unlovely and unlovable world. Father God, we love you so much we thank you for the gift of your son and it's in his precious name that we pray and everyone said